0: Adam Sims is a world class professional windsurfer turned cinematographer and director. He travels the world filming, editing, and curating content for famous brands involved in world and European tours in multiple action and extreme sports. And he still jumps in and competes when he gets tempted into an international competition. I met Adam because he uses OWC gear, specifically the Atlas media cards and the Envoy SSD drives. Of course, I needed a report. It was fun interviewing him about his youth, sailing with his family, and of course, all the way up to his ridiculously amazing windsurfing. As with most extreme athletes, he's had a share of injuries, but he overcame them, continued on, and now he has his own company, Alva Media, working across the globe. We talked about gear, wind, sand, and sound. You'll find this fascinating.
1: It's time for OWC Radio. Tech Talk with Creatives. Conversations with host Serena Catania.
0: Hi, Adam. I'm so glad that you're here with us today.
1: Hi, uh, yeah, thanks so much, Serena. It's really nice to uh, catch up with you. Last, we managed to make this happen through lots of uh, load shedding and (laughs) interesting times here in South Africa.
0: You know, I didn't even know what load shedding was. Can you tell people what that is? Because I know we've been bouncing back and forth with this interview because Mm. of load shedding. What
1: is it? Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's just um, South Africa's, uh, how do I put it uh, kindly, the inability inability to um, manage power. And um, the electricity goes off for a couple of hours every few hours and yeah, we have uh, some lights out for a while and then comes back on. You go back to the candle lights and <laughs> make it makes you appreciate what you have, so, you know, it's not too bad.
0: <laughs> you know, I'm I'm just sitting here wondering what would TV stations do, you know, because I'm on the air a lot during <laughs> the day, crazy. and if uh, I had to plan for on, off, on, off, it would just drive me crazy, but anyway. It's
1: very fun, yeah. Yeah, you, yeah, you have backup generators in the, in the important places, so, yeah, yeah, we're here, really excited, and really excited to catch up with you, so, it's, yeah. So what important. time is
0: it there, and where are you?
1: uh it's just coming up to 10 30 p.m um i'm in cape town in south africa and uh just had a nice uh nice sunny day here it's been quite warm and got on the water this afternoon for the wind surfing and enjoying some some nice waves as well
0: so, so there you are in the warmth <laughs> near the ocean and we are in <laughs> i'm in san diego which luckily is not as bad as the rest of california but it's pretty bad here so a lot of flooding yeah yeah, yeah lots crazy. Of rain. a lot
1: of a lot of uh, wild weather. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, you know, talking about wild weather, that kind of reminds me of some of the images that I saw when I was first getting to know you. And that was you guys in Iceland and fighting mm. the weather there and in the Arctic Circle. So can you tell our listeners a little bit more about your company? It's called it's pronounced Alva, right? Or am I pronouncing it yeah, right? Correct. Yeah,
1: Where does Alva that Media. name come from? Um, it's just a, a, a bit of a generation through time, really kind of a buildup of, of ideas and things. And there's no major meaning behind it. Um, you know, it's more just a, a unique name and a name that I quite like, you know? Um, so it's kind of just a, almost a pluck of the hat, but built up there through you time. Go. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, there you
0: go. And it's spelled differently yeah. from people that are looking for it. It's A-A-L-V-A-A. And it's a dot com, right? Alva com. Awesome. Yeah, so yeah. if you guys want to pull up the website and be streaming some of these videos that he's got up there while I'm talking to him, mm-hmm. that would be kind of cool. And I'll cut some of this stuff in there as well. Yeah, but
1: cool.
0: you yeah, have, you would say. yeah, so I was asking you about all your travel.
1: Mm, so about Iceland and and the Arctic Circle and stuff. This is it's quite an interesting one to pick up on because it's for me, that was the time of transition between sort of a independent sort of filmmaker and going more into productions with uh, you know smaller teams you know we don't have big teams it's not hundreds of people but you know once we get into the 10s and 20s is you know it's a reasonable team and um, so this at sort a of time was like the the phase of this independent filmmaking and doing these projects still but uh, behind the scenes I was working on uh, things with uh, the events and things like this so live stream productions and all of that but the travels, yeah, I mean, um, Iceland and Arctic Circle. I mean, I love doing adventures and trips like this. Really, it's, for me, it's um, one of my greatest passions, you know, to, to kind of see and explore new places, um, you know, to take my skills that I've learned as a, as a professional windsurfer back then um, and uh, apply that into very unique locations. Um, and I was fortunate enough to meet Alina, my fiance now, and uh, we're getting married in <laughs> a few weeks. I love and, that! Congratulations. Um, yeah. and, she's and awesome she's too. Into... She's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. We're going to
0: be bringing her on here as well because, um, yeah, just uh, yeah, I was, I was, I was stalking her on social media so I could see <laughs> some of what she does in, in addition to the videos that you got, you have. Mm. She's an amazing young woman. I think the two of you make yeah. a great team. You're very um, lucky. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a a lot. As I think, a lot of people, you know, on the surface through social media and things, you know, looks looks nice, it's pretty. You you see everything perfect like this, but of course, there's still a lot of hard work going into things and. Um, I think we all know in the film industry how much hard work goes on to create even a single shot, Um, you know, and the same thing happens on on social media, you know, a single shot, (laughs) a single one take is sometimes not a one take wonder. You know, it can be, it has happened. And actually, ironically, some of the most successful things on her profile have been one take wonders or maybe the second take, but not more. So it's been um, quite interesting, you know, learning that whole sort of, new social media game as it were in the last years and um but yeah that's uh, like Alina and I we you know we have this this passion to be on the water enjoy the the surf and the waves and things like this so it went hand in hand and yeah we started going together on these trips and had wonderful time you know exploring these places and I got to put my um you know my uh sort of cinematography skills to a test um as I start to sort of make these storylines and build up Um, You know, stories that were easy for me to tell because, you know, they're personal stories. Um, But, you know, still hard to capture. You still have to get nice shots to go with it. Um, So obviously going to these locations and stuff makes it (laughs) a little bit easier to get those nice shots.
0: So talk to me about Iceland. What were you shooting there and what time of year was it? Where were you?
1: Yeah, so Iceland was, we were there in, um, it was September, October time. It was just before Um, winter the plan was always to go there around that time Um, I know quite well the weather systems and how the the hurricanes come over you guys and then they channel off over towards the United Kingdom Um, and as they come over they sometimes push north they brush past Iceland and then you get the strong winds and the waves coming in at this time and that's that's the time of the year to be around this area if you want to get waves and wind Um, so I've always you know made sure to be around the UK during these times and Um, sometimes up in Scotland as well and you know it's very wild coastlines up there but uh, it was always a dream to go to Iceland and do that Um, but uh, as you'll see in the video if you watch (laughs) it there was a bit of an incident (laughs) sometime before um, and this put a bit of a a stop to the plans to get on the water um, to go surfing to enjoy the conditions kind of open new spots you know um where people haven't really seen and wind surfers have never been or kite surfers have never been um and uh you know that was that that was the plan to do that but uh, because of that ankle injury um it put a stop to it but I, you know i still had this desire to go and see the place and perhaps make it a scouting mission for another time to come so um we stuck to it and it became the first episode of this project that we did Um, and then it was built on later on with the further episodes as well so in the other locations we went to.
0: You amaze me. Tell us about your injuries. I know it's a little (laughs) painful, no pun intended, to think about it but you you have been one of the world's greatest windsurfers and And comes with extreme sports. There are always all anyone who has extreme sports at one time in their life, they're going to have injuries. But you've a couple of pretty gnarly ones. Uh, tell us about that.
1: Oh, yeah, you, fl- you flatter me, one of the greatest wins ever. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, well, you've I've had... won
0: a lot of awards. Don't don't be shy.
1: <laughs> I've had a few, a few successes. Yeah. I'm, I'm quite happy with my career, so it's been a nice one. I was a sailor before that as well, so I used to do dinghy sail. Um, but the, the injuries, yes, um, I'll start from toe to toe to head. <laughs> so, first of all, actually, one of the earlier ones was I, I broke my toe, my, my big toe. Um, and actually, this was a real difficult injury to deal with because you use your feet the whole time for, for anything. And I had a cast around it, just around the, the big toe. Um, so, you know, I couldn't stand on it it couldn't do anything until it was completely healed. Sometimes with other injuries, as I've learned, more recently in, in, a, in more recent years you can still do things with whilst you have that injury or you can um at least go into your sports in a lighter form um as you recover but with this one it was like one of the smallest injuries but one of the most frustrating
0: yeah <laughs>
1: because of that so um, and then yeah i broken a few other toes um the ankle was quite a bad one that was the one you see in the the video from Iceland. And um, if you follow that video and look into other videos I've done, you see a bit more about it still. And that was, yeah, that was a a very painful injury. Um, I really sort of exploded the ligaments in the joint there. And in the MRI, you see, even in the video, you just see like this frayed hairs, when it's supposed to be like lines of sort of fibers, you know, and it just exploded. You know, if you took your hair and backcombed it like this, then you get this like big afro going on and that's basically how the ligaments were which they're not supposed to be at all so they had to do quite a bit of surgery there yeah on the toe actually after i broke it i then <laughs> i did something else at the time actually, I actually like dislocated it and had another surgery on the toe and then we come up to the knees the first windsurfing injury i had was on the on the right knee and that put me out for three months and i i hyper-extended the knee so as i I landed a, a jump Ow. and la- landed. I looked down for the landing and the, the water came up a bit quicker than expected. And I see my knee go back, uh, completely back the wrong way, like this quick. Just, Ouch. you know, about 30 degrees the wrong way. And it's like, that's not right. And then the pain hits. And it's like, screaming.
0: <laughs> yeah, And you're in the water and you have to get back to shore.
1: That was That was actually the toughest one, getting back to the shore. Yeah, you're you're totally right. It was, um, uh, I I kind of, I could swim, you know, with one leg and holding the gear, but it was big waves. Um, It was sort of three meters shore break like this, very heavy. Um, And I ended up actually, as I got thrown on the beach with one wave, it kind of pushed me up, which I was expecting. But as the water pulled back, it pinned me under the sail. And I was completely stuck under the sail, underwater, (laughs) with my knee in agony, and knowing that like, okay, I could drown here, but I know that the next wave will come and rip the gear off me. So I have to just wait until the next wave comes. <laughs> and then it did, and it, it throws it off me like this and then pushes me further up the beach. And then the, the kind of the funny part of it was I was waving to my friends, like the international help like this. Uh, you know, and they they just wave back. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's quite funny. They, they weren't that, they getting it. A couple it minutes good. later, yeah. yeah. So that Ouch. Fine. That's fine. Yeah, it was a painful one. It took a It took a while to recover, but um, yeah. Um, and then the hips. I've done various things with that. I had a, a incident where I I couldn't lift my leg for two weeks because I had a uh, the boom uh, hit me into the into the hip here, and um, uh, caused like the skin on the bone to tear, like this. And I I literally couldn't even uh, move the leg forwards because the activation of the tendon on the front or the ligament yeah, on the your front
0: hip flexors
1: just well, it was just agony yeah so um that was a another carry up the beach job friend taking me to the hospital um there was a up. I've broken uh two three ribs cracked them and that was as many people know who've cracked ribs you know it's sort of six weeks no laughter no sneezing <laughs> sneezing is terrible um so that was a tough one and then the hands I've broken the fingers a little bit I've got uh one of my uh, ring finger I think is a bit too kind of big <laughs> so Uh-oh. we had a bit of uh, interesting stuff and we we're working out the size the of the wedding way. ring.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly.
1: yeah. So I've done that and also I broke the the other finger here and had a I, I competed in an event and I had a cast around my hand and up these two fingers here and I still managed to compete holding on to the boom like this and <laughs> it's quite funny um yeah. And then the kind of the big one or two big ones, the spine and the head. So I've had um, a lot of sort of concussions um, and I had one pretty heavy crash um, quite a long time ago, which left me with sort of PTSD for about five years. Um, I only really recovered from it um, just as I met my, my fiance six years ago. Um, and I was just at that point of final recovery. Um, but I spent a lot of time with um uh, sort of a mental issue with a post-traumatic stress flashbacks um the body going into uh panic uh things like this and i was afraid to talk about it because i was like oh mental things people make up in their head you know and i was very naive to this and i at times thought it was uh, attempts for people to seek attention a bit more like this and then when you have something like that yourself you realize okay <laughs> it's genuine and i'm uh, very apologetic for thinking like this and <laughs> So it's very tough, yeah, and um, it was a horrible experience. And for me, the best way out was to talk, talk to people, talk openly about it. You know, don't be ashamed. And you know, sometimes if I do have to lie down and I'm shaking a bit and having panic attacks, and that happens, but uh, it got better and better. And thankfully, for about six years now, there's nothing. So I would say I'm clear. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, the last one was uh, the spinal injury. So that leads us to the one that's probably the most documented. And I had this spinal surgery um, where I had the, you know, the disc had uh, erupted, sort of ruptured out to the side, you know, right into the, the sort of cavity where the, the nerves spread out um, within the spine. And um, it, it stopped me feeling anything, you know, down my arm here. Um, and the doctors were getting very concerned because once you start losing the feeling, you start to lose the muscle strength and it's actually something you don't get back you know you don't get it fully back this this the nerves reaction speed whatever it was i can't remember exact details but the longer you leave it the less of that you get back like the the nerves uh, firing the muscles and so it was kind of like a urgent surgery but it was a, a tricky one that was a bit of a fight with the insurance company <laughs> at the time. Oh my goodness, so,
0: seriously? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, it was. I, I went into that. I had to have the surgery as emergency surgery, but the insurance company didn't believe it was an emergency because it was about three weeks after the initial feelings had come. But I'd had to travel back from here. I flew back to the UK and then drove out to Germany because I was following you know, work that I had. And the whole time, you know, the arm in agony, no painkillers help or anything. And then yeah, I arrived in Germany and I was like, okay, this is serious. And I have to get this checked properly. I had the MRIs and they were like, oh, you need to like, you know, how are you still walking? <laughs> you know, if it had been like two millimeters more, you you could have lost like all your functions and stuff, you know, down here and you wouldn't be able to walk and, and things like this. So uh, kind of frightening actually a frightening moment, but. Yeah, I, I had to go in as emergency surgery, but I was unwell. I had a, sort of a bit of a sickness and you shouldn't have anesthetic um, and surgery if you're sick, you should wait. But then the insurance company went, well, then it's not urgent, you know? And you end up in this like catch 22 of like, do I now take the risk because it is urgent? <laughs> or, you know, like it was a strange wow. situation. But,
0: so and you that have to the, do it.
1: Yeah, that was the last sort of, uh, major injury, and also my turning point, I would say, also within the the video production as well. You know, so in the the film production, and that's where I came back from that surgery, and and I still wanted to compete. Um, I knew I still had more in me.
0: You know, this you've had a lot of injuries, and the reason I wanted to talk about it is a lot of extreme athletes go through, not necessarily. <laughs> as much as you have, but, but quite a bit, how did you keep your head on straight in the middle of all this? And I watched some of these videos and you were back on that windsurf after your back operation, probably a little too soon, don't you think? Or, I mean, what, what kept yeah. you motivated? In
1: in hindsight? Yes. Um, it was definitely quite soon. My motivation, I mean, in my understanding for the, the, the human body, you know, I would say is a fairly, uh, a fairly reasonable understanding. Um, I studied, you know, sports science at the university and had quite a keen interest into the biomechanics and you know, the physio- uh, physiology and, and anatomy of the human body. So, it's, you know, fairly keen understanding. And by knowing this and understanding this, I, I know what injuries I can bounce back from quicker. And which ones I should take more time and more care. Um, the spinal injury, ironically, is, you know, it's actually uh, there's nothing too much going on in terms of the muscles, the ligaments, things like this. The only thing they've done is they've they've snipped one small ligament, <laughs> kind of a crucial one, but you know, one that that stops the spine, you know, kind of bending too much. Um, but it's it's it, there's a lot of other muscles supporting it. And I hadn't had too much rest. I walked out of the hospital, you know, the day after the, the surgery, uh, took the, the, the underground uh, train <laughs> back home. And, um, and so I only felt a little bit dizzy from all the, you know, the drugs they'd given me. Um, so, you know, I, my understanding of that and um, my sort of, you know, motivation to, yeah, competitive motivation, Uh, To compete, to be better uh, of myself, you know, and uh, to be, you know, competing and taking part in the events and being there on the water and, and not missing out on competitions. Because there was only so, there was only a few competitions on our calendar in a year, real crucial ones. So to miss even one, you set yourself back, not just that year, but the following year, because your ranking from that year counts towards your positioning in the next year. And then if you're a lower position, you've got to fight back the whole year to get back up. So it kind of takes you two years to get back, even if you miss maybe one event. So you know this kind of motivation as well was there a little bit, and the uh, you know you have the support of the sponsors and things like this. You don't want to let too many people down. I know they totally supported me back, but there's still that thing where you 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 can't stop. You know if you want to uh, stay up at a at a higher level, um, you know you need to keep pushing. If we had a lot of events back then, then we would have been able to take a bit of a rest, you know, one or two can be discarded like this, but that's, uh, the tough side of it. So that side was yeah, partly the reason. And then the other, other reason I guess is that I don't like sitting still. I, <laughs> you know, I like to be out and about traveling. I, I grew up on a, on a sailing boat, you know, I spent two three years traveling with my parents and they really took us to see the world. Um, you know, and we crossed the Atlantic Ocean and things like this. I had three brothers. I was eight at the time. And, you know, we finished this when I was sort of 11. And then for the next four or five years, we spent three, four months always going back and traveling these kind of nice areas we like the most. And these are, for me, what I'd say, like the impressionable years. And so I have these impressions of the world is, you know, our home. And so now I, I see it like this. And I have no, no qualms to just sit at home and <laughs> and, and uh, I'm more than happy to travel and go to places and see things like this. I now do with a lot more responsibility, you know, given the times we live in. So, you know, that's um, yeah, an important aspect as well. Yeah.
0: So tell me about when you first decided you were, or when you knew that you're really talented in the windsurfing area. I mean, you've done a, a, you've won a lot of freestyle competitions. I've watched some of these mm. films. You really, <laughs> it's it's amazing. It's fun to watch. I encourage everybody to go. What, what's your YouTube channel? Where do people go to see some of these?
1: YouTube.com forward slash C, I think for channel, then forward slash uh, Adam Sims.
0: Okay. So they can go to YouTube and search for Adam Sims, S-A-M-S, yeah. and they can see some of these videos we're talking about. How old were mm. you when you started Surfing, windsurfing.
1: When I came back um, from the, the, when we sort of slowed down the sailing, you know, with my parents on the sailing boat, um, you know, the 42 foot sailing, it wasn't such a big, big yacht. I, I got into dinghy sailing. I did sort of four or five years of dinghy sailing. Got up to sort of, um, you know, I had a vice world title, I had national title in this and was in this kind of lower Olympic development squad in the, in the youth class of this. And then I went to university and then <laughs> I I just learned to windsurf before I went to university. And then um, at university, it was much more easier, more flexible for me to go windsurfing, to go sailing and rig up this big boat. And, you know, it's not a big boat, it's a laser uh, dinghy, you know, some some viewers will know. And, um, you know, to rig up this and and to, uh, to launch it in very hard seas, you know, uh, it's tough um, and I really just got more more attracted to the windsurfing and there was a great community at our university and then um, I sort of brought that community to get uh, together created a windsurfing club and um, you know we had like 140 members in the first year so then we started wow. going you know we started going all the time yeah you I know, you always had someone to go with windsurfing whenever it was windy it was like you know five in the morning and You know, you'd been out for a sociable evening until midnight and then you get up at five in the morning and go with your friends (laughs) for sunrise in the middle of deepest dark winter and it's, you know, minus three degrees and you have your hoods and gloves on and Mm -hmm. you're waiting for the sun just to appear and you're rigging in the dark. And so, yeah, that's kind of how I got into windsurfing, you know, back then. And the competition side came about through a, a really great network of events from the Student Windsurfing Association in the uk and it's a great uh, windsurfing association with all the universities coming together and they meet up for a weekend and it doesn't matter what the conditions are they will jump on the water and you just have fun and you push each other and there's some that are pushing the freestyle a bit some are pushing the waves and you're like okay they're my competitors and also my (laughs) friends you know (laughs) and you love seeing them and then you just do stupid things on the water and (laughs) the loops and the back loops and then the next time you see them in three months you've been already on a trip to Egypt somewhere and trained a bit and they've been you know to Greece and then you catch up and see who's learned what and and that's how it developed and yeah just followed that path got more and more into it and got to a point where I was you know um, in the top of the UK, you know number one, and realized that maybe I need to go abroad to some international events and got encouraged by sponsors to go and they sent me off to Sardinia. Um, that was the first event and you know I, was, I didn't know anyone. <laughs> it, was, it was quite funny, it was quite a funny experience and I ended up I think uh, fourth in this. It was a bit of um, a bit of a light wind one, so they did this kind of tow- in behind a boat. Um, and they towed you in and we just you just do one move in front of everyone and so i ended up you know winning winning some of these rounds and ending up in fourth place and yeah it was a nice start and then you know over many years got better at that and better on the windsurfing side and yeah had a fun career so i can strongly strongly recommend it (laughs) yeah absolutely yeah
0: the camaraderie of people who compete, you know, it's of yeah. course, it's it's rugged and you're competing, but there's also a lot of friendships that Absolutely. come from that. So now yeah. your production company is mm-hmm. covering some of these events, right? You're pr- covering some of them as a director. How does mm-hmm. that feel?
1: It's a strange, um, yeah, um, strange twist of events, you know, over the years, like competing on this tour and, and doing this and then um, that's so going back to that kind of link with the spinal injury and, and moving you know this transition time that was exactly the moment when I had the injury in the surgery I said to myself you know I was making these videos before if you watch some of those videos and mm-hmm. you you see some of the the moves I'm doing as a freestyle windsurfer back then and, and you can see my progression over time as I get better and better doing bigger moves more advanced things. At this point, you see a change from doing the the videos, you know, for myself, but start to do them more for other people and and creating videos with other people in. And then I I just said, okay, now I'm going to try and get some work. Uh, I'm going to try and do it in the area I like, which is windsurfing, so I can tie the two together. And because I can't compete at the events, but I like going to them and seeing all the people and all the friends that we make, you know, and have at each, each of these events, I'm going to offer to film them. And they accepted my offer to do the highlight reels, and I started making highlight reels for, for the European Freestyle Pro Tour. And then they said, we love them, come to the next ones. And then I did all, the, all of them that year, all the events, and then it never looked back. And then I was starting to think, what can I do? I'm competitive, what can I do that betters myself each time? <laughs> and my aim is always just to do one thing better each time. Right. one thing better than in a year's time i've already done 10 things better there you um, go as so uh, i applied this and every time every job may have every event i do i always try to add one thing new one thing different and even if it doesn't really work out you know that you've tried it put it to the side you can try something else and, and like this so and the yeah the the things improved and then i was like okay maybe i can try live streaming (laughs) and those are the days hey like we (laughs) we did live stream with like a four-man crew even three-man at one point it was me switching commentating directing uh i even there was one point where one event where i was uh i had the ipad for switching and i was directing the two camera guys uh they started to get used to it so it was a bit less directing I was commentating and because of the uh, distance we had for the Wi-Fi, I was limited to like a platform that was just on the edge of the water where I could just sort of see the action a bit and oh, sort of speak to, pe- speak to the riders and interview them because I would interview them as well as they came in and, and do, do all of this. So, you know, I, I realized that to learn it all, learn every aspect of it is going to help me in the future once things, you know, hopefully grow a bit. And um, so, knowing all areas was was very helpful. And having been through the stress of basically trying to do the whole production yourself, to I mean, we were also do replays as well a week. Oh my I mean, god! I was also doing replays at the same time, like replay, instant replay, and it was just you know instant replays at the time, so no replay reels. But
0: that is beyond multitasking. That's yeah, stressful. Was- live anything live is really stressful anyway. Yeah. And you're dealing with mm. weather and you're dealing mm. with a lot of events happening immediately and quickly. Mm. So what are some of your latest videos? What are you doing now? How did has all of this progressed?
1: Yeah, so the the productions have increased and increased. You know, my production company Alvameda, we've been hired by the most of the extreme water sports is you know as as you may have Realizes a bit of a theme here, <laughs> and uh, most of the extreme water sports we, you know, we've been hired by to do the, you know, major events. We've done the the big air world championships in Tarifa last year for kite surfing. You know, we've done TV production for uh, the wing world tour, this new wing sports, um, and then we've done you know the PWA world tour of windsurfing uh, for a number of years. We've done the live stream productions, TV productions you know things like this and of course now the you know the freestyle pro tour so the the efpt the european freestyle pro tour developed and it was you know it was handed to me sort of three years ago and handed i still had to pay for it <laughs> but the offer was given to me and you know i i sort of negotiated and accepted the offer and took on the tour and uh, you know it was a i felt a bit uh, too early to be doing this um, but I knew the offer might not come around again so sort of accepted and 110 percent threw myself into it and having the production and media background and knowing the tour we've been able to really um, accelerate it in a very positive direction um, now so you know on one side I have the the freestyle pro tour there you can see on my on my pen there freestyle there you pro go
0: <laughs> and, love it um, <laughs>
1: And on the other side, we have the the media production, and so the media production because we know the sports and stuff, we get hired for the you know the the other sports, and they really like our um, knowledge of the sports. So we get the cameras in the right places, and I'm very creative about where we put the camera angles as well. And you know, having learned a lot, that's very sports specific to these these sports as well and we're competitive as well, you know, we've kept our pricing competitive, realistic for, for these, these sports to really try and help them all, you know, come up and become, you know, much more global successes. You know, and it's been exciting to see, we've seen on the on the kitesurfing tour that they've had major sponsorship deals now with Qatar Airlines, things like this. So, you know, we're looking hopefully on the Freestyle Pro Tour that we're gonna see things progress on this side as well. know, um, yeah, it's very small niche discipline but such passionate people behind it and the, the sport is so exciting and um, you know it's one of the the only sports of, of all of these that you can actually do in all these conditions you know zero wind strength flat water to the biggest waves and 50 knots hurricane force winds you know this kind of stuff so um, it's super exciting and the, the opportunities we have there is really interesting but yeah to answer your question the you know what's going on now is you know with the production stuff Now is a time a a downtime as such. So you know we're we're building up the calendar for the freestyle pro tour on one side, and then on the media production side, we're working together with the sort of largest international brands in you know in the sports, um, in the wing sports, in the windsurfing, in the kite surfing, and and doing a lot of this. So um, we have shoots now with uh, North um, North kiting you might know from North um, sails from sailing boats. Um, and, uh, the big air shoots we have, um, shoots with, uh, JP Neil pride, which is one of the largest sort of longest established windsurfing brands. Um, also extending into the wing sports and then again, um, you know, other brands as well in the next few months. So it's a very brand oriented time where we capture, um, you know, a lot of high quality, you know, cinematic content for the product shoots and, the, uh, you know, product releases and, and this sort of stuff. And that's a really exciting time for me because I really like to get back behind the camera at that point. You know, throughout the whole year, I am the director role. But to get behind the camera and pick up my camera or pick up my my water housing, which I have here. There you (laughs) go. And and get some shots. So So
0: talk to me because I know a lot of our listeners love talking about gear. So do I. Mm -hmm. And workflow. So do I. And so tell me just... Pick something you're going to be shooting in the near future, and tell me how you're going to gear that up. What kind of cameras you use? What do you do mm. for, you know, lighting if you need it? Sound. Yeah, sure. I'm really curious about sound too. But let's start with the camera setup. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So um, let's take. that. I mean, the next job we have, which is the uh, we're shooting for North. We're doing that big air, um, and it's uh, big air kite surfing. So they're going to be, you know, jumping. We pick the windiest day in a, you know, one-week window here in Cape Town, which means it can be 50 or even 60 knots in a really stupid windy. And, um, you know, you have sand flying everywhere. Like, there is, don't even think you can protect your gear from sand. It's impossible. (laughs) Trust me. Um, And you just need to know that you have equipment that you can clean well afterwards and it can withstand uh, the sand a lot. So so that the equipment choice is often based around something that you can use in those conditions it's not necessarily um the the best highest quality but it's this compromise of it's still very high quality but it's very usable it's very run and gun you know i need to make sure i can get many angles because they're not going to go for the craziest moves 10 times in a row you know they right. do it once or twice and you've got to get it right and the assistant's got to get it right you know it's. It's not um, something you can do too much. So you need to be, you've got the shot once, you know, when they jump and do that move, you know, you've got it and you know, okay, I've got it once I've got a move. If they do the same one again, then I've got two cuts on the same move. Um, so, you know, having the right equipment for that is very important. So I have, I mean, here I have my, my Panasonic. This one's actually just attached to the GH5. I actually mm-hmm. love the GH5. I know that the, the new GH6 has come out, I have two of them and, They're fantastic cameras as well. They have a lot more functionality. But the GH5 offers me a lot more, um, uh, it punches in a bit more with an in-body crop.
0: You know, I'm curious. uh, Obviously, it can withstand the weather. I know people that shoot with that and they're really excited about the GH6 that just came out. You have one that you've Mm. been trying already?
1: I have two of them. No, I brought them, Uh I got two of them straight away. Yeah. Uh So Uh I brought two of these cameras as soon as they came out. I got actually one of the first models. It was like, serial number basically i think it was nine i think it was wow. <laughs> so That's it cool. was really like yeah but also i notice now compared to the one that i got uh, about a month later um the there's some things on it <laughs> which seem to be a, still a bit prototype but uh it's fine no i i find the gh6 is it has its place in some things. So the quality mm-hmm. is very nice when you go to the 5.7k option and you have um also extra high frame rates as well, which is very nice for like 4K and things like this. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's quite unique in that aspect within the Panasonic range. But the GH5 is um the the range of it. You know, it's got mm-hmm. you don't have in the GH6, they remove this in-body crop um which is something that i used a lot uh because where we shoot we're often very far from the subject you know and the subject's very small as well you know very far away very small you need to punch in a long way in really extreme conditions your your tripod shakes it doesn't matter what tripod you have it will shake you know so you can't use a tripod you have to shoot by hand so you need very good stabilization so the combination between the in-body stabilization on the GH5. Also, the GH6 is very good as well. They're obviously equally so, um, and the the lens as well. Um, the the 100, uh, 400 Lumix Leica, Lumix Leica is the 100, 400. Yeah, the this one is you know super nice. We have four of these uh, for our production when we do the live streams, and um, the combination they have both. Stabilization, you know, optical image stabilization and in-body stabilization in the in the camera body, um, and together, when I'm on 400, which on a Micro Four Thirds is 800 mil, right. plus the in-body crop of the the GH5 that takes it basically to like a thousand mil, um, you know, plus or minus is around a thousand mil. So it's a long way to shoot handheld.
0: Yeah, I was going to say stabilization's really uh, an issue at that point because. Even the slightest shake is going to be tough. We're in wind and you're getting
1: buffed by gusts. Yeah. this. So you you have to lock in tight. You have to lie down. You have to control your breathing. You have to, mm-hmm. you know, you breathe, breathe, breathe. When you see them lining up for a jump, you stop breathing and you just hold your breath until they're finished. And sometimes they fly for quite a long time, you know, especially with these like foil kites. They go for like 15 or 20 seconds and you're like please now. <laughs> it's like, it's like,
0: it's land now so what filters are you are you using filters on the lenses
1: um other it, than the uv but
0: but yeah.
1: Uh, yeah yeah so circular polarizers we use to take away the glare from the, the okay. water um and it gives you know nice uh, it removes all of those reflections mm-hmm. also we film cars quite a bit you know loading up the cars and things like this and so it's quite nice to see you know through the glass and, and you know see the person. Um so this works quite well. And then um ND filters I've gone through you know various the whole range I've been testing and trying and trying. And so I I still yet to find something I'm you know, really uh, really happy with. Um mm-hmm. I have on my um on my own red on the Komodo, I have um the DZO lenses. The DZO uh, lenses are par-focals, They're very nice sort of cine lenses. They're quite large, you know, a little bit heavier, but uh, very nice. You know, the the square filters um, on the end, and these work pretty well. But again, once you get in the wind, you have um, (laughs) issues with the wind. So it's a bit tricky so then i jump back to this camera and then you have to start doing the color grading the matching and post and you know sometimes as we said earlier you've got to um, you know you've got to choose the equipment that works yeah you're
0: really good at it it's a lot of work so talk to me i think you're using some of the atlas cards right the really new fast Absolutely, cards from yeah. O-W-C. Yeah. can you can you mm-hmm. talk about that
1: so i've got here the the 256 that's just the the SD card there, so <laughs> they're super nice, yeah. And then I've got the Type-B um, uh, uh, CFast ones as well, and then also the the hard drives also, um, these ones as well. The, the on- That's an, on- are, is that, are, are that an Envoy?
0: Incredible.
1: Yeah, it is, yeah. Yeah, the ProFX, so.
0: So yeah. um, I hear, I haven't tried the CFAS cards yet, but I hear they're screaming fast and that really makes mm-hmm. a difference. Have you noticed a difference?
1: Yeah. So that's kind of the, the thing, you know, when I've been using these, uh, we were using already the, the SanDisk ones, you know, and things like mm-hmm. this in production and they were, they work, you know, but you, you have this time where once they buffer, uh, yeah the buffer time and once something's over you know also the hard drives you're using and things like this once um you know the live is over for the day you go into the post-production editing phase you're making highlights or uh quick cuts for tv and you know the deadlines are tight as we all know you have sometimes like 45 minutes or you know to get like a you know a selection of footage out and at the same time someone's got to be editing a highlight and now with all the social media reels and formats and this and that you know you have Uh, a number of editors you know working all at the same time and you know for me the thing that i've found the most beneficial now is just the speed you know the speed has changed the game because it it, it's the most exciting part is perhaps the part that people don't really understand is that my team now get to sleep (laughs) you know and when they get to sleep they're working better the next day and i'm way more happy that they get to sleep as well because you know it it it's nothing worse than, you know, working a 10-day event and you're getting four hours sleep every night. You know, it doesn't work. You get to day three or something and you it just, it's impossible. So, you know, I've done it myself. Uh, as I said back then, I was doing a lot of this myself. And there was, you know, four or five days in a row where, like, I remember one time it was four hours, three hours, one hour, four hours, one hour, you know. That's how much sleep I had in like five days. It was <laughs> insane. So, and, and uh, having gone through that experience, I know how important it is to get the sleep. You know, even six hours changes everything. You know, two hours more changes everything. Uh, you know, some of these people are so passionate. They, they want to do, you know, everything. And I'm, I'm super happy to, you know, work with people like that because they have as much energy as I do. And we're really, you know, working super hard together. And so they, they want to work, you know, these long into the night. They want to get a real good edit done. You know, it's a, like you know, the passion to do it and make something that people want to watch again and again, not just consume once and, and throw it out. Yeah.
0: So. Well, you know, when you're in post and you're on a roll with the edit, you don't want things to hold you up because you get on a roll and you just want to keep going and keep going. Can you um, look on the bottom of your Envoy and tell me which model you have? I'm real curious. Mm-hmm.
1: So this is, yeah, Envoy Pro FX. Um,
0: the Pro FX?
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: Those are fast Does enough. They, to, you can edit right off of that drive.
1: Yeah, it's a, a 10 gigabyte second USB 3.2. You know, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're crazy fast. Um, you know, so I think it came with a, a Thunderbolt cable as well. And it's mm-hmm. just, yeah, they're lightning fast. And so these have been a game changer because of, Um, because of this, we uh, quadruple backup each day. So, and that means uh, two things. One, you have all the backups um, as a safety point, Um, but also you have suddenly, you know, four hard drives you can distribute out and send to your team, or actually we've been able to support other teams now, and they've been wanting, you know, our footage and things like this, and we can now say, yeah, here we go, take it, and it goes out on air on another TV channel because of this. You know, and they have it in time to do that. So and we when we're live, we do something a bit unique that I don't you know, I don't think it's so commonplace uh, within the industry is we record in camera as well. And we tell our team, you know, record the moves and the critical moments always in camera, record the interviews in camera, and we, you know, record them at 4K and down convert to 1080 for the for the HDMI out and send that to the to the live but the 4K we have in this nice high quality and you know, with so much storage space and <laughs> such large cards, 250 gigabytes and four terabytes here and 512 gigabytes there and all of this, you know, we can easily record all day in, in one camera with one card and and do it like that. Or thankfully we've been given, uh, more recently we were given uh, one two, the one, two eights, and then Actually, I have the, the flash drive down here for the C-Fast <laughs> <see> <laughs> yeah. uh, cards. So, the yeah, we were giving one, two, eights. And with the one, two, eights, we can then replace the cards quicker, more frequently, which means we get the footage over to our editors quicker um, and into ingest, and they take in uh, the card, they send out the 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 previous one, and then we're just getting a good rotation of cards going. And then the ingest is so fast that sometimes... You know, they even just send back the same one, <laughs> you know, things like that. That's this. awesome. So,
0: so how are you managing your media? Are you using something like Hedge or how are you making all of your copies?
1: Yeah, so we looked into that sort of stuff, but in the end we do. And um, <laughs> some people laugh at us. We, we we still just do it the old-fashioned way, old-fashioned. We just use Finder on the Mac and we just yeah, drag and drop through. And it works fast. It's very quick. Mm-hmm. You know, is a couple of minutes and all the footage is across, you know, everything on the whole 255, 256 gigabytes is, is in. So we, yeah, we use that. We're fine with that. And, you know, I looked into Hedge and it was more that my team, you know, many of them would have to learn to use all of this. Um, and our event windows are quite short. Uh, we don't have much setup time um so it's better for us just to use what's known and rather just pick up the speed with you know the ingest and with the new cards and you know the hard drives and things like this and for the editing i mean the editors love it they're so quick with editing now and they they really get a lot more sleep and it's fantastic so super happy
0: what uh, NLE are you using to edit?
1: We use Final Cut. So Final Cut, we, awesome. Yeah, we we like the workflow of it. Actually, I've used it for years and years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've gone over to Adobe sometimes and, you know, I know the other systems reasonably well, but uh, Final Cut is is what we use the most and mm-hmm. it's just got more and more efficient, you know, so it just makes total sense for quick turnaround event editing. You know, for more cinematic things, we might look at Premiere, but even so now I I'm pretty happy using Final Cut for <laughs> the more cinematic stuff. Like last year I used it entirely through the year. I didn't use anything else.
0: That's awesome. I I hope you have time because I have a couple more questions. Are you okay with yeah, time? Sure. Yeah, fine. Talk to me about sound because yes. that is <laughs> really tough in these environments. How how do you how do you, man- what do you use and how do you manage sound? Now, a lot of it's wild sound, obviously. You're shooting windsurfers, you're recording mm. wild sound. But what do you use for the interviews, say, for example, in those windy conditions and dusty and sandy? Conditions? Yeah,
1: that's that's a good question. That's been one of the things that was the hardest thing for me to master over the years. Um, I always found it extremely tricky to find really the right thing that would really you know, kill the wind or mm-hmm. pick up. You know the the sound from the you know the interviewee, um, and make sure you're getting that right, and that it can be used. You know, um, not that it just works and we can use it for a quick clip on social media, but it can be used on TV. You know, things like this. So, and in the end, we got uh, kind of full circle. We started off with the road stuff, it wasn't really kind of working too well back then and so i started trying you know a few other things Enheuser and isa and things like this but i found you know crackling and, and wind noises or uh very strange um i can't remember which one it was but there was a very strange frequency it sort of it was changing the voice as the wind picked up oh dear yeah a bit like you get in post sometimes when you um i think in final cut you have the option to just there's like automatic things sometimes where you can just auto you know tune and remove wind noise and but then it just is sometimes very strange things so it's better to choose your frequencies and dip them and like this so but with the um uh with the road stuff they got way better again and it's really good um you know the presenter mics are are phenomenal in in any wind strength i haven't had i haven't had wind too strong with the the road presenter mic so it's been working really well and then we have the the lav mics as well, and just with the little windsock, you know, on it the, mm-hmm. the, the wind. Butter. I know those
0: tiny little, yeah, tiny. Exactly. They're so cute. Yeah. The tiny exactly. little thing. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, but you need not just the foam one. You need like the real fluffy one. You know, uh, uh, that yeah. Have the you know, all the hair on it.
0: <laughs> the dead cat. We call it exactly. dead cats.
1: Only that's they're tiny. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The real fluffy dead cats. So um, that's. That's what you need. And then, but, you know, sometimes it looks a bit stupid. It's stuck there, uh, but at mm-hmm. least you can hear. You can hear them clearly. And yeah.
0: Well, on in an interview, sounds really important. You mm-hmm. can get away with bad visuals. I hate to say that to a cinematographer, mm-hmm. but because your stuff looks beautiful. Mm-hmm. So, wow. Well, this is great. So what is next up then? You're preparing for which one?
1: So next is, uh, yeah, the, the kind of brand shoots. Um, I've had a little bit of time off actually using that time to prepare the, the freestyle pro tour. Um uh, now we go into these brand shoots. So we're doing the, the North uh big air shoot with you okay. know the, the craziest, wildest riders. These guys are like the top guys, girls in the world in doing the 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 double mega loops, you know, 30, 40 meters in the air and um almost you <laughs> think sometimes you're looking at them like that's almost suicidal what you're doing there. <laughs> that's wild. So these guys are winning like the the Red Bull King of the Air down here and yeah, you know, this sort of stuff. So we shoot with them, and then um,
0: you're going to be in Cape Town for that for that one. Yeah,
1: so Cape Town okay. for the next three four weeks,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then it's uh, my wedding. Um, I'll take a a week off. Where's for the this. wedding? It's here in Cape Town. Yeah, we got there's a stunning beach. Actually, it's quite used in um, a lot of commercials, a lot of car commercials. Um, a place called Misty Cliffs, mm-hmm. and we're you know actually going down on the beach, there's houses right on the beach. It's very wild, but it's just, it's very close to Cape Town, so it's very accessible. And so we're having the the wedding there, and then the ceremony at uh, Cape Point Vineyards, a nice overlooking vineyard over the ocean and the the beaches below. So they're looking forward to that. It's gonna be very nice. And then, um, yeah, off to the Philippines, um, more brand shooting, and then the event starts soon after, so.
0: Well, I am so proud of you. And also, Alina, Mm -hmm. and uh, for those of you listening, we are going to be interviewing Alina sometimes very soon because I want the female half of all of this. (laughs) Um, I think you're doing great. But, you know, it's also wonderful when you have a woman who goes with you and helps you out and shares your life. I think that's really it's unusual and it's very important. And uh, it's obvious the two of you are very much in love. I love watching that.
1: (laughs) She's, I mean, having been around me and and cameras a lot, she's, you know, got very used to actually using them and filming me sometimes when I've been out windsurfing and capturing some things, you know, as I still try to learn now and again, some new moves and things. (laughs) (laughs) And so she's actually picked up, you know, how to use the cameras and, um she even jumped in on um on this bigger world championships in tarifa the kitesurfing one she jumped in on one of the camera positions on the worst day it was like 50 knots sand and sea spray coming over a, a, a wall and really she was there for like four or five hours filming and you know the cameras come back absolutely caked in sand like it was it was all like one side of the camera was just sand it was, it was literally just, it, it, if you picked up the camera and looked at it, you had camera this side with like a bit of salt on it. And then on this side, you had uh, literally just perfect sand. And the only way to clean it, and this is what I love about the Panasonic's, is I took a bottle of water and I just pour it over the whole thing and then extend the lens out, pour it all over, close it out again, pour it all over, dry it. And I'm still using these cameras. So None of them have gone in for warranty. So and um, these cameras also i've had like i mean i i film like really when the waves are breaking i try and get angles as the waves break and people are doing moves and stuff and sometimes i've had the waves actually break you know fully on the camera so they've been completely submerged in salt water because i'm so confident of these cameras Um, You know, I'm a big advocate, I'm not supported, you know, by Panasonic, not at all, but um, I'm so confident of them that I've even had on occasion, because the water's so cold here when we're swimming and filming, um, you know, out back in the waves a bit, you know, if you're there for a long time, for an hour or so, 45 minutes, an hour, you can start to get the condensation inside um, the water housing. And the only way to fix it after you've tried the way where you point the, the lens at the sun because if you point at the sun it can burn it off but it takes a while and it comes back very quickly so once that's not working anymore the only way to do it is to take the camera out of the housing so i've been swimming i've opened the housing, take the camera out close it then i can let the hammer the, the housing float because it's obviously the air um in there and then holding the camera just <laughs> filming like this but oh my God, not with the waves on me but There was a one occasion where it was right in the middle of the impact zone where I actually waited for the set to pass. And then I was like, okay, open it up, get some air in there, some hot air and evaporate a bit, close, and then (laughs) carry on (laughs) filming.
0: Oh, my Uh, gosh. Oh, Adam, I just uh, thank you so much for sharing all this. I know it's going to be fun for people to hear it. And I'm actually (laughs) really happy that all the OWC equipment's working for you um, as it is for me, it's it's how I met mm. them. I've been using their equipment for years mm. and years. And this yeah. is a perfect time to thank Larry O'Connor and everybody at Absolutely, yeah. for sponsoring yeah. this show so I can talk to people like you. hmm. Yeah. Hopefully we'll be able to talk with Alina soon and we're going to be tracking you. So you're welcome to come on anytime. Well, thanks. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, I, I, obviously, I want to say a huge thanks also to Larry and, and to yourself, um, you know, for having me on there, but you know, to Larry as well, you know, I met him um, on a, a great trip around Greece, a nice boat trip. And, um, you know, it, we were discussing and talking and it was, you know, so nice to speak to someone who knew so much about all this equipment. And, you know, I learned a lot also from him in that time and, you know the the equipment. He said, "Look, you know, you must try this out. It's gonna speed things up for you." And I was like, "Okay, yeah, like speed things up really." <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm sure it's gonna improve things, but to improve it like it did, I was blown away. So really, been very stoked, and and my team are very grateful. And and one of them just messaged me two days ago and said, "What were those hard drives we used at that event?" And I was like, "Oh, OWC," and he was like, "I'm gonna get some." awesome that's That's good to hear really just two days ago so he's going to get a couple of those hard drives and start using them and that will help his you know independent productions as well so
0: So for those of you listening go to aalvaa.com and rummage around in there also just google adam sims look for him on youtube and you're going to see some great videos and uh, as I say to you, every episode, get up off your chairs and go do something wonderful today. I'm Serena Catania. He's Adam Sims. And you've been listening to OWC Radio. Have a great day. And thanks for being here with us. And awesome. that's a cut. <laughs> okay. Awesome. All that right. Close that out.
1: That was perfect.